Welcome. I'm the Falcon of the West. And I'm the Prince of Precision. And we are the the Attack Attack Action Action Podcast. Podcast. Hello. How's it going? Great. (laughs) Straight off the calling. (laughs) Yeah. Getting used to the new intro right hey you wanted to go first i know but (laughs) but then you looked at me like uh you didn't know what to do so uh yep here we are anyway this is a very exciting episode we're (laughs) we're coming off the calling and uh breaking into the new tales um well no meta yet the new tales release the new future of the game incorporating tales of aria and um we have a lot, a lot to talk about, um, about our long weekend at Vegas as well. Hell yeah. Yep. So this is one full week after uh, we were just at Vegas, the calling at Vegas, Vegas calling, Las Vegas fab, <laughs> I, I don't know, hashtag. And uh, so we've had a whole week to kind of gather our thoughts about the whole thing and really stew you like that uh in our uh feelings in our emotions and now we're ready to unload all of those uh juices from the stew (laughs) that that nice brew of uh yeah calling emotions totally different if you can feel the different energy right now in the pod it's because we're we have a whole new audio setup and we're across the length of the table from one another so that's why we're not like uh our typical move is uh eight inches from each other's face talking into one microphone very lady in the tramp esque (laughs) uh romantic as you will so um that's why it's a little different for us we can feel the distance (laughs) but thank you uh patreon members we got another mic for our podcast so hopefully we'll improve our audio quality across the board um for our different productions also this is a morning pod because we have a tales release later this afternoon which we're pretty psyched on whoop, whoop. um shout out to oasis hidden oasis gaming in uh mckinleyville right but if there's a different vibe i'm having a cup of tea this morning <laughs> instead of a beer like usually <laughs> with the pod <laughs> so a little different flavor totally uh, I can't remember which fan it is who hates it that we talk about how the pod's going, but maybe that's uh, Mike Popovich. We're we're just what's that, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just getting our feet under us. Uh, okay, so welcome to our podcast. If this is your first episode, it's always weird like this at the beginning. So don't keep it going. It's about to get spicy. It only gets better. We just set that bar pretty low, yeah. and then you're pleasantly surprised. Yeah. By so, the end. Yep. Welcome to that ride. That's also our dating technique. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to start out with some shout outs. We're going to move into the news. And then our main topic will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday at The Calling. And so we're going to talk about everything from our uh, performance to the vibe to uh, how great it is to have Colin as our friend in real life, not just over webcam, all of that stuff. 
Yeah, this will be a kind of a more free flow discussion on all that because there's a lot to unpack. Yep. Um, with all of that, um, so rather than a technical play by play or you know, we're just gonna c- kind of cover all of it. Totally. Nobody wants me to recap the eleven rounds of Swiss <laughs> that I participated in. Spoiler alert: I made day two. Okay, so top of the show shout outs. Isaac, who are you shout now? Um, first shout out is to Brendan, um, Brendan for or Patrick, nice of Arsenal Pass, the old BP as I like to call him. Um, for his very impressive uh, showing in the Road to Nat season, taking home four Road to Nats with that chain deck is like very impressive. Um, I thought particularly because the Monarch meta is like pretty. I don't know. In like the game to pull out that kind of consistency in a very wild aggro, sometimes high rolly um, meta, I thought was like pretty impressive. You know, totally. Yeah. Um, so that that was a very good showing, and like the hard work putting in that deck, um, or the hard work put into that deck um, to you know again just like pull out that kind of those kind of results. Um, you know time and time again is uh you know very well done so great job brandon oh yeah yeah and we got to hang out with brendan at the calling right and he's a delightful human being yep and uh would hang out with him again yep <laughs> uh in that kind of uh is a nice segue into i was just on uh time in the round which is the arsenal passes youtube exclusive freeform podcast um so you get to see my face which is pretty fun and yeah i sit down with hayden and brendan and we also talk about the calling and future meta and and, you know other stuff and that sort of thing and it was pretty fun it's about an hour long so if for some reason you only listen to our podcast and not theirs (laughs) go listen to theirs so there's the that. three people out there that listen to us and not them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, well, I would like to shout out my main man, Chad. He, I played him on Sunday in the final round of Swiss for a Tales of Aria draft. And he was a super chill dude, even though he was like kind of uh, freaking out. He was like late to the table and uh, just playing really fast or whatever. Probably tired like we all were. <laughs> from uh how much flesh and blood but he was the only person to be like oh shit you're taylor from the attack action podcast uh and i was like yeah and he's like oh yeah i love your podcast so big shout out to him thanks chad appreciate it you're the number one fan in my heart as of this moment could change any time i'm fickle so <laughs> be glad you're number one right now <laughs> that's what i got thanks chad um, I'd like to shout out, lastly, uh, Chris, Puck Gremlin on Discord. It was very nice to meet you. You're a very nice dude. Um, we'd played a couple of webcam games, you know, but had never uh, totally. met in person. And, um, yeah. Thanks yeah. for uh, coming out saying hi. Um, speaking of, our, our Patreon little community Discord is growing and still, you know, quite the delightful uh, place to hang out chat about fab chat about everything um pick up a game now and then we're gonna try to have a a sealed tournament pretty soon here 
yeah um, or next, next month, month yeah. on our October. on our discord so um if you uh you know appreciate our podcast and you know for the price of a beer or a cup of coffee you want to support us uh join our patreon yeah totally it's uh it's really really fun you get all kinds of cool rewards like stickers or a play mat um and it's all original artwork so that's also really really fun so yeah uh yeah thanks chris sorry i couldn't hang out more i was just in the zone too much to really schmooze with you so hopefully it was a adequate amount of schmoozing but uh we should schmooze some more later speaking of uh taylor's face online and schmoozing um (laughs) good segue yeah i I, i'm picking up what you're putting down oh nice (laughs) um we are launching a uh a companion podcast to our podcast um, on YouTube because apparently you need to do things on YouTube to uh, get launched into the stratosphere of this business. So um, our good buddy Colin, thank you so much, Colin, is um, our partner in that department and uh, on board with production and appearing on our um, new once a month uh, YouTube podcast. Yeah, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, totally. So typically our podcast audio style, uh, the Attack Action podcast, part of the Attack Action Network, (laughs) is uh, quite long form and uh, ridiculous sometimes, to say the least. And so what we're going to do on YouTube, we're calling it the reaction step. And that will be a singular topic focused uh, video that'll be more short form so uh, really capping it at an hour and we'll be talking about a single topic the whole time and it'll be a bit more focused and um, that sort of thing so it'll just be like us talking about topics or reacting to certain things or whatever and we're aiming for once a month could be more probably do some gameplay videos and stuff too um, right. so yeah just trying to expand the network and our uh catalog i suppose right sometimes we have one too many topics to discuss when things are pretty busy on our podcast so that'll be it'll just be more digestible portions yeah and and we'll have like a third person to have a bit more parody with and that sort of thing yeah you know and then uh you guys get to also become internet friends with colin which i think is like the right first step to do and then you become real life friends with colin at the calling and it's great. So I recommend that pathway of friendship. Yeah. Is that adventure highly recommended? Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Nice. Um, yeah. And as Taylor alluded to, we're also going to be um, producing some gameplay videos and deck techs and the like. Um, we're going to start off with some sealed. And uh, anyway, all of this is made a lot easier with a third person involved. And uh, Colin's very good at what he does and producing this type of um content so that's very exciting for us yeah and our first episode uh should be coming out sometime next week and we will be exclusively talking about uh the tales of aria set so we'll be talking about all the limited play action we got in so we got to play the world premiere we got to do a draft at the calling and then we will be doing a you know pre-release weekend as we're recording this podcast. So we should have quite a lot of 
hands-on experience before the set drops. Um, and so we'll be talking about that. Right. Um, oh, last thing on news? that. Oh. Y- yeah, we do have a bit more news. Uh, but the last thing with the reaction step is we're going to be doing a giveaway on there. Um, and the details for that, we're giving away a custom Johnny Blue Razor t-shirt, uh, size large. <laughs> Because we just have an extra. Um, so if you are cool with wearing size larges and uh, that sort of thing, go check out that video and get a chance to win a free t-shirt. All right. And then the last bit of news is we know the Nationals format. Oh, right. You want to just pitch that? and Yeah. So I, you know... This could be a topic for a whole podcast, but I just think it is really, really interesting that we're doing, it's a dual format, so it's draft and constructed, right? So you'll do five rounds of constructed Swiss, five rounds of draft pods, and then back to constructed, back to draft. Just insane. Which is awesome. To me, that's the best format they could have done. Yeah, totally. It's... uh, I still am pretty sure I'm not going to make nationals, unfortunately, this year. But, uh, you know, if that's the format moving forward for all national events, it makes me want to qualify even more. That's just so cool. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Um, Also, I've seen online a lot of people have been asking. The Tales Unlimited is only confirmed for Q4. Um, I've seen, like, a lot of people saying November, late November, maybe. Um, so anyway, if you're wondering like when unlimited product will be available, it won't be for a little while if you're trying to compete in nationals, but, um, you know, it's coming pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our main topic. Let's, let's do it. (laughs) So calling Vegas, uh, we're there Friday. We show up Thursday. Um, the rest of the crew is there, you know. So uh, give me briefly your Friday rundown. Um, of the tales? Yeah, without spoiling our YouTube video, but that's Friday, yeah. Right, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, we showed up, and it's, uh, what, the tales draft started at 1, maybe? Yeah. Um, and... You know, the whole the whole thing was really amazing with the COVID protocols. They only had four people per table and it was like pretty spread out in a very high ceiling, large room. Um, It never felt like claustrophobic or cramped or stuffy, you know, while having a thousand people in a room, it still felt like just fine all the time, um, which was pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, that's I think the insane part, right, is uh, well, also. Me and you got COVID tests, COVID negative. Amazing. Do not have COVID. Yeah. And had a great time. And had a great time. (laughs) Masks work. It's crazy. Uh, Yeah. Insane. Sold out, right? Like 900 plus people at the world premiere. Like incredible. The, The energy was palpable. My excitement was uncontainable. I was just talking to strangers at my table who were super uninterested in talking to me (laughs) and it was like really hard to hear one another because it was so loud and you know 
all this other stuff. There were like, so it was so exciting that I didn't even realize it basically took us two hours to play our first round. <laughs> totally. The the execution of the draft was a little. But yeah, on that point, there's definitely like two types of people, right? One, one type are psyched and very friendly and like kind of wanted to get to know you more than like start the game on time or <laughs> hang out, which was awesome. And then some people who are, uh, you know, maybe just introverts or whatever, but like very uninterested in uh, chatting it up. Yeah. Which is also okay. Sometimes I can be like that if I uh, don't have too much to say. Right. Yeah. No No knock on them. But yeah. So the, the only thing, we're not going to talk about our games or the cards or that sort of thing. Um, well, maybe we will. But so I wound up with a Briar sealed pool and went four and two. Probably actually could have gone uh, five and one. But that first round, I like just didn't know the cards and uh you know didn't care (laughs) yeah it was really tough like um i had just got done reading all of my cards and sorting them and kind of just conceptualizing them and then he's like eight minutes left to deck build (laughs) right you know over that because it was still half an hour but you don't know a single card um so i played oldheim and uh i went four and two also i think i went went three and oh or four and oh and then lost um once i got to the top tables it was all briars <laughs> and uh i got pretty pretty whomped by those good decks up there <laughs> yeah um uh yeah in logistically right i mean it was supposed to be six rounds of 30 minute uh swiss right and we were there until like almost eight it took seven hours yeah it started one at one past eight i think we were there past eight yeah it was like um some of their other tournaments um went pretty smoothly and they kind of moved it along but that one was just like a nightmare of i mean i I had a blast it was fun anyway but it was just like you don't need to be there for eight hours for six rounds of swiss totally logistically a failure yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) but it was still really fun and then we got we went and had dinner with uh brendan Patrick and Dante Delfico. Yeah, what's up, guys? <laughs> I don't even know if Brendan actually listens to our podcast. Dante for sure doesn't. <laughs> so anyway, we had a very lovely dinner and we got back to the Airbnb, which was pretty rad. It was like, you know, a 10-minute walk from the convention center. Um, which yeah, was- shout out Taylor for booking us an Airbnb within walking distance. Hell yeah. Even when it's 106, still walking distance. Yeah, it was great. It was definitely the right call because yeah. we got to like make food and have a couch to sit on and a table to play games at and stuff. We were really living the calling dream this time around for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a good setup. Yeah. Uh, so that was Friday, a bit longer than I really wanted it to be. Um, I was also just more tired just because it went so long and it was very stimulating and just having to think pretty hard about all these new cards and stuff yeah. playing. Um just like overall at the end of that day i was like more tired than i had expected going into saturday yeah i was so tired i couldn't do the bit of like homework i wanted to do which was write out my sideboard submit my deck list etc uh i had to do that in the morning which added a bit of stress but i will say that actually playing those sealed games in a like more casual environment and just like how sealed 
makes it so you have to kind of play just like fundamentals was um, actually, I think, a pretty good warm up for the calling, you know, just to like get in the tournament environment, play some Swiss, get some uh, just fundamental reps, you know, like blocking, pitching to set up your deck, etc. I think was actually pretty helpful for me just to get in kind of a groove for sure. Definitely. Coming out of the constructed chain meadow where I only see half of my deck ever, it was like pretty cool to pitch to the bottom of my deck and then win with that pitch. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. It's like, nice. Yep. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, had a great time, had a great dinner, woke up the next day, took care of our homework, got to the calling in uh, plenty of time. And honestly, I was a little nervous for the logistics because how terrible tales went on Friday that I thought, oh God, I have s- s- these rounds are 50 minutes long. There are seven of them. I'm going to be here until 10 p.m., you know, which wasn't the case, actually. It ran super smooth despite there being, you know, 800 people at, at the main event. Yeah, definitely. They did a good job with that. Yeah. Uh, and so, so then it's the main event. So I'm playing my chain, my chain deck. I don't know why I said it that way. Um, And the deck list will be in the show notes for this episode, along with Isaac's Leviah list will also be in the show notes. So if you guys wanted to check those out, they will be there. Spoilers, Isaac played Leviah, which is pretty awesome. Spoilers to two minutes from now. (laughs) Um, So the main event structure is... Uh, day one, seven rounds of Swiss, cut to top 64 to make day two, four more rounds of Swiss to make a total of 11, and then we cut to top eight for that. And then if you go undefeated in top eight, you're the calling champion. Uh, So to not get into the weeds too much on Saturday, uh, me, Isaac, Colin, Thomas, and Mitch are there. I'm on chain. Colin is on prism. Mitch is on wizard, classic Johnny Blue Razor style. Wild card. Yeah, wild card. And uh, Thomas is on Bravo. And uh, you, Isaac, you're on Leviah. And I think, so me, you, and Colin all win round one. Yeah. Right? Doesn't Mitch also? Or I can't remember. I don't remember either. Thomas lost round one. Yeah. I don't remember what order Mitch won in. Mitch lost round one or two. I can't anyway, remember which one. It doesn't matter. My my point kind of in, in those early rounds is me, you, and Colin went 3-0, right? Yep. And, or I think we went 4-0, actually. I went 3-0. I think we went 3-0 and then Colin dropped a game. But that was like really exciting. Once we were 3-0, we were like, oh my God, we're like doing it, you know? Like all of us, this is so cool just that extra like friendship level of energy was like so fun at that moment on yeah, Saturday. It's pretty fun to meet up after a round and have like all of your friends have won that round. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, it was insane. Uh, so how about you tell me kind of, Oh, your kind of highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to talk about, about Saturday rather than me just like kind of sitting here. Sure. Yeah. Um, Mine's pretty. I went three and zero against Prism, 
aggro katsu and uh, control dash. I almost dropped the katsu game to a, like a miss block, um, but still pulled it out. But anyway, I like went three and zero, and then I you know got high enough in the tables to start playing like the good chain players, and um, started actually my fourth game. I also, what's up, Zane? If you're listening, um, I felt like I was doing pretty good that turn. I was up twenty seven to twelve um, with like a good hand and like even a spare card to block. Um, but then he, you know, had as chain does fairly often had a thirty four damage turn or whatever and um you know ended up winning that game so i i lost that one and then i lost uh i lost a to another chain player and then i beat a katsu and then lost to another chain um which you know i the cool thing about that Leviathan deck is uh it can beat chain but the bottom line i think is that it you know it doesn't consistently right like um and you know we uh you know we know other testing groups that put a lot of work into the leviah but then like end up taking chain um even if they don't have a lot of reps on it just because it like consistently performs better so i did not go in with any illusions of uh you know winning out the chain matches but um was hopeful that i would you know beat one or two maybe um so I went four and three on the day, uh, which is a good result. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. My calling day one was pretty uh, pretty normal, <laughs> you know, pretty just average. Win up and then get to the top chain tables and lose. Dang. But that's all right. You know, again, I, uh, I did not expect to just like win out. So... Totally. I still think it is an admirable performance to be on like, you know, the hardest character potentially to play and still have like a positive win record, you know? Yeah, thanks. It's, it's great. And the the thing, like, I chose not to bring Azalea as I always thought I would because she just auto loses to control. Whereas, like I said, Leviah can beat, I mean, beats control and can beat chain. But it, you know, we tested that matchup a number of times beforehand, and it just feels like I kind of have to high roll them um, and not get high rolled back. <laughs> so right. uh, it's just a little bit tough. But it's it was a very fun deck to play, and yeah, a very rewarding experience. Um, so anyway, hell yeah, that's my calling. Yeah, my deck list, which is definitely not optimized. I'm not as comfortable. Um, I kind of switched to that deck at the end of road to nat season so i'm like less confident in it than i am on ranger but um i still very much like that list and would be happy to chat about it or answer any questions or whatever and that will also be in the show notes all right that's my showing what about your saturday uh so i went uh six and one on saturday uh i think i was five oh before i dropped a game so not really where I I didn't want to drop the sixth round if I was going to lose any it, I wanted it to be the seventh round, um, just so I knew that I was going to make day two. You know what I mean? Like if I, when I lose in the sixth round, I have to win 
seventh round to get have a chance to even top eight, right? But my right. whole goal going into the calling was to just literally make day two, you know? And then if I make day two, make top 32. That was it. That was all I wanted to do, uh, which is what I did. I wound up doing that, and I feel really good about that. Um, but I guess my little takeaway, which I can get into later, is just like how really close I could have been to actually getting top eight, you know, which I never thought was going to be possible going into that. And maybe if I had, uh, maybe day two would have gone like a little bit better, but I'll, I'll get into that in my like takeaways or whatever. Well, even making day two is like what top seven or 8% of players or something. You know, that's a good, uh, good showing. Yeah. Top 64 out of 950 or something like that so totally. you know good good performance in of itself yeah i can't really be upset about anything you know i've played in two uh road to nats which were my first two like big you know quote-unquote bigger uh events for anything card competitive related and then the calling first ever you know to be at something that like tickles at a professional level tournament right calling is still an open tournament but it's like you know uh your wins are rated right so you get like elo rating for those so first time doing that so i can't be upset at all it was like very cool and very good and i'm like very happy with that being said and i'll get into all the psychology and stuff after we get through the recap but uh, just some highlights for me. I had to play like an aggressive Bravo list, like round three. And it was, he, he was like almost late to the round, like in terms of getting like a match loss, uh, which was pretty stressful to then have him flip over Bravo and be like, great, I have less time to do this, you know? And then it was stressful when he crippling crushed me turn one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then just kind of kept his foot on the gas the whole time. So it was like, uh, you know, it was the first round where I was like, oh shit, I gotta be fucking on point, you know? Totally. And that's the worst turn one. Bravo's been around since the beginning, right? Welcome to Wraith. And I think up since the dawn of time up till now, getting crippling crushed turn one is like the worst turn one that anybody can have. Yeah, totally. And he got rid of my Urser token or Eclipse off of that crippling. Oh. So it was like, great. If this game goes late, <laughs> I've lost a huge piece. Um, but I wound up winning that game just by uh, doing a really good job, like managing the overall game state, like never letting health get too low and making sure I still was like pitching my deck saving stuff to go wider etc um you know using my armor blocks really really uh efficiently and that sort of thing and i wound up uh killing him on his turn i spent a long time on my like penultimate turn because i was like for some reason in my brain nebula blade was only going to attack for one and I was, I think I was decked out at this point and he was going to see, I was really worried that he was going to see me pitch invert for Nebula Blade. 
in that he would then be able to like play around it that uh he could save a card to block the arcane and not die or what anyway it was impossible actually when it came down to it because he had to use his last card to block nebula blade or else he would die um which was pretty awesome so then he had no cards in hand i drew up and he goes to draw his cards and i said no you have to i have invert you're dead (laughs) and he just like unfortunately had to sit there and think about it and was like huh and i was like well played like good game you know he was like obviously upset he thought he was going to win for sure but he did not take into account like those things which is fine you know it happens but that was like super stressful because i was down to like also one life or something insane or i was like ahead a little bit and he still had like he could have skull capped right he was going to go down to one health is what happened it turns on skull cap and then he could like block invert and then i'm screwed because i have no cards left i just like your super smooth hero line at the end there no wait (laughs) i have invert you're dead (laughs) it wasn't it was something like no i it was like he goes to drop and i said wait i have something and then i just played invert and i said like some like i banished two cards um and deal you two arcane damage and that was it nice yeah which is my favorite way to win. It sucks, but I love playing Invert to win. It's like my favorite card. So that was a highlight. And then round six, I lost to a gentleman named Shane. Uh, and he was part of the Hyperloops crew. Shout out to Star Wars Destiny. Was Shane playing Shane? Yeah, totally. That was like a whole Hilarious. little joke. Yeah. yeah. Which there was like a bit of foreshadowing in that game because we go to roll off and he rolls double sixes and I rolled double ones. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's not. That's just meaning he's only going to be hot for the roll. And then he just like blasted me off the table. Like I was just doggy paddling to stay above water. Basically, he just high rolled me so hard in the mirror. Um, Which is like what that those uh, generic heavy flock chain decks can do is that they can just really lean into their high roll aspects way more than kind of a more consistent deck that I was on can do. So, uh, you know, so that sucked. <laughs> but then that, I uh, you know, that poor guy, he, uh, he got DQ'd day two because he on accident added his uh, arsenal card to his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you can see that happening to your, or I can see that happening to me. But you just got to play it really tight. Yeah, totally. I have done before in casual games, like kind of drunk late at night or whatever. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah. And then, you know. But I was going to say about the like getting high rolled, you know, or like whooped by that. It just, you know, because I haven't played Chain this whole season. I've only played against it. It just like, you know, it happens and it sucks, but it just feels like it's part of playing against chain right like because i you know i uh i lost that game four on four shackles to a you know 30 whatever damage turn and uh you know and then in my last round um i lost to a chain deck running you know flocks and consumings and fate for scenes and a bunch of those but he hit every single banish 
up through turn four maybe and then i think he missed one um which like seems pretty unfortunate but again just having played so many reps against chain you're just like this just happens one out of three yeah. times what you know which uh is like a pretty hard reality to deal with that like okay i you know we play this game i perform this well or whatever and this is how the games go and then one out of three games or one out of four games uh you also have to deal with 35 damage surprise you know yeah which is just it's like a tough uh kind of x factor in the meta you know or that that's what i've found it's yeah, I, you know, the, just the difference between that deck and the list I put together, they just have two separate theories on the strength of the deck, right? And the generic heavy lower blood deck count decks are, you know, it seems like the theory there is that you can just really, really go off, you know? Yeah. If, if you're going to go off, you can just really go off, you know? I mean, he he also had, like, turn three, a 30 damage turn against me or, or whatever, which was freaking sucked. Yeah, um, it, it seems like they have a, a much higher ceiling early, or potential ceiling, yeah. not consistent ceiling, but yeah. um, and then have a harder time into control. Yeah. Is kind of the... And, and that's the, the baffling thing, right, is that control is like still pretty prevalent in the meta at that time and if you have like a bad matchup into control i just don't know how you can feel comfortable going into those matchups you know or into the calling for that matter you know i suppose you just assume that there's just going to be more the meta meta was going to be much more aggressive than it actually was at the calling right well we saw i mean in the end I mean, in the finals match, right? Yeah, like, control um, wins. Control beats the, um, you know, generic heavy flock. I don't know that guy's exact list, but the, you know, flock. Yeah, um, he had like trimmers chain. and, uh, you know, flock of the Yeah, the, and stuff the like aggro chain list gets beat by control. But, you know, which it should. That build struggles more into control and then control one out um, Yeah, in and, the end. Yeah, and since we're on the topic, I might, you know... Uh, I said this on time in the round, but it's a bit of the uh, snake eating its own tail situation, right? Is that, you know, we have one uh, kind of school of thought for chain and it's this like kind of consistent, you know, managing the uh, the game state and, you know, making still making good exchanges and having like kind of a higher blood debt count to be more consistent off of your banishes. And that has like an above 50 uh, advantage in like every single matchup, right? So you get that in that really preys on control, you know? Like the, the earlier in the rounds I played against a Bravo who was on a control-ish strategy or whatever... And it just, you know, it's just too easy for, yeah, yeah, for the my deck and stuff. Chain deck just kind of auto wins against control. Yeah, seems. a bit. The one that's like more consistent and you still have to like pitch stack and that sort of thing and play till, you know, shackle eight, nine or whatever. But, uh, but then because of that, you kind of need to play something that can beat that. You know what I mean? And that's where we get that like other version of chain 
right? That is just like, you know, uh, I, you know, plays Art of War, gets go again, uh, plays Flock, reveals another Art of War, you know, yeah. in it, you wind up going like six wide and it's really, really hard to uh, kind of deal with as the other aggressive deck across the table. Yeah, that deck's just maybe a little, it's like more front end aggressive you know yeah it's like it's It's just potential in the early game is much higher potential in the late game is much lower right right yeah um and then so those two decks kind of wind up consuming each other kind of you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um especially at like a bigger event like this where you are a big open event um and that's anyway so we'll get more into that kind of in my wrap-up thoughts but so that was my saturday six and one i i won my last uh round um which was great because that meant i was locked in for day two i wound up after the saturday seventh round i was in 14th place uh for day two which was pretty awesome (laughs) pretty good yeah pretty high up there yeah totally (laughs) top 15 uh and yeah it was great i was really excited for the next day um colin i think wound up five and two he was like 83rd place or something like that yeah on the prism deck he loves which i was pretty psyched because colin has played and likes that deck the the most and the best (laughs) um so it was like pretty congratulations colin it was like pretty sick to see him uh you know being successful with that deck and kicking some ass yeah totally and being x and two at your like also first calling would be is pretty is sick yeah you know to only have dropped two games is really really rad um oh another thing about that i thought was just freaking wildcats is i played two kanos in swiss and only had null rune one it was insane (laughs) i uh it was nuts so yeah and one almost got you it was pretty tight totally it was very close yeah he was like a resource short (laughs) which is nuts um but yeah so mitch was on kano so we had just played like a few kano reps leading up to the calling which i was like you know helping my buddy out not really helping me out but i'm so thankful i got to play those reps now because i understood you know, my role in that matchup way better and was able to like just win, you know, and I did not get Aether flared, thankfully, because then I just like lose. Right. Right. You just get stir Aethered and then you're <laughs> just like, cool, I block one, take five. And then, you know, something else happens and it's plus five and you're just dead, you know. Yeah. Mitch, because you guys have played those games like the night before and maybe the morning of. Yeah. So Mitch was like you know shit i i brought kano four chain and i didn't see a single chain and then you know i was just prepping taylor who like didn't care you know yeah yeah totally so funny um the the one match you had was when you were both four and oh or something so that that kano was like on a pretty good rampage i was we were five and oh Oh, nice Nice. (laughs) yeah it was intense yeah i got back to back stir aether spindled and he opted seven cards <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> yeah, so he opts seven the first time i'm like i'm dead it's over it for sure is over and then i wasn't dead or and then i had my turn you know and then i got 
stir aether spindled again and it was like great now i'm definitely dead <laughs> and then i just wasn't somehow by the grace of god i did not die which was amazing <laughs> uh, it's so funny playing against kino because it always just feels like it's in their hands but totally i just like yeah. set my cards down as he sits there and does a bunch of math and you know it's just wild yeah it's like the only matchup i felt was like out of my control and I was talking to uh, Brendan and Dante, and they were like, you didn't bring Nullrune 3? Are you crazy? I was like, I just didn't think I was going to see it. They're like, in an open field like this, you just got to bring it because you never know. You don't want to drop. I was like, that's so much smarter. You guys have way more experience than totally. I do. Totally. I also told you that before him. Totally. And I was like an idiot telling <laughs> you, like, no way. You're not going to see it. Ugh. But did. But you pulled it out. Yep. Did it. Totally. Did it. Um, and then we had, what did we have, sushi on Saturday night? Yeah. Yeah. Which, the whole COVID era and living rurally, I haven't had sushi in a while. So it's a little sidebar here. I really love sushi. <laughs> and that was great. Totally, yeah. <laughs> we had a great time. Uh, again, dinner with Brendan and Dante. It was, it was excellent. And then uh, <laughs> Dante was pretty funny. Like, I think... Uh, Thomas got like a 22 ounce beer and Dante was like, holy shit, they come that, you know? Just like, yeah, because he's from Canada. Canada and, yeah. and, and the Japanese beers are just large beers. Yeah, and little twink beers over in Toronto. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I mean, yeah. I think they have sushi. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's neither here nor there. So... Then day two comes around, everybody but me, you guys are in the ProQuest. So tell me tell me about the ProQuest on Sunday. Oh, um, actually, after playing Tails, I had a blast playing in the ProQuest because I uh, knew all of the cards. So I got to open my sealed and then spend some time thinking about it rather than having to, like, learn and try to, you know. Um, so I ended up playing Prism. Uh, because that was my pull and I went four and two yeah I just need I need more reps at these organized events you know um which is just entirely my own fault I I went four and two I think I lost my third round went to time and on the next turn I would have killed him like 100% no doubt but I just took the hatchet swing because you know I didn't want to a double loss right so that was unfortunate um but honestly we both uh could have played faster so you know partly my fault there and then i lost round five something it was, it was six rounds right yeah. yeah yeah and so like to win get a chance to win you have to go six oh yeah yeah or five one maybe late depending on how it stacks up yeah but yeah um and then i lost round five i think in a prism mirror I mean, I also like had that one in the bag, but I, I just don't play Prism. And I thought the Merciful Interrupt um, would happen before the lethal damage because it reads like an interrupt. Yeah. And uh, I just I could have blo- I just didn't block because I thought it would kill him. And every all of our listeners probably already know that, but <laughs> if if you don't, the lethal damage happens before the aura popping interrupt. Yeah, because it's a replacement effect. Right. So you you technically die before it has a chance to replace it. Yeah, because it yeah. makes a stack and yeah. then resolves. Um, yeah. 
Which, yeah, I think everybody knows, but I was just... It's, like, not how it reads, just intuitively. And the guy across from me plays Prism all the time, and he was like, yeah, they issued a whole thing about it, correcting it, because nobody was playing it that way, because that's not how it right. reads. So, anyway, it was just my, uh, you know, not knowing the rules or inexperience in organized play. Um, my deck was, like, pretty average, but I just had two of the Dominate Heralds. One to get a weapon out, and then one to win the game later. Is it tenacity that has dominate? Um, yeah, you know. So you just get a weapon out. You get merciful, my only aura out, and then I had one red phantasmify plus the dominate herald. No dreamweavers though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just really fun, kind of relaxing playing a format I knew um, with a new character. Um, was was really good, really fun. I thought that was awesome. Nice. Um, Colin and Mitch also played in the ProQuest. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how they did exactly, but... Yeah, so I went 4-2 and two in my second sealed again. And uh, then after that, played in the, the Tails draft. But do you want to talk about your day two? Yeah, day two for me... Uh, so with one loss, I have a chance still to top eight, but I have to go undefeated in the four rounds of Swiss. Um, and it just, you know, just wasn't my day, (laughs) you know, I think partly, uh, there were a couple of things at play there for me mentally. One was, I just did not have the mental tenacity I needed on that day to actually top eight. And I just didn't think that it was going to be possible, you know? Uh, but then it did creep into my mind a little bit like, oh, I could do this because Brendan and Dante were like, you can do it. You know, they're kind of like getting my hopes up a little bit. So I was in this weird mental hinterland, right? Where I'm, where it makes you like a bit more nervous to play because of that. You know what I mean? I like my goals aren't clear. I'm not clear in my head and that sort of thing. And then first round I got a deck check. Um, just like a random one, which also happened round six, my only loss on day one, um, which is just really jarring. Like they just come up right before you start to play and they take all your cards and then you have to sit there and you get a time extension and you're like off rhythm with the rest of the tournament. And it's just something that my inexperience in the tournament was like hard to, you know, kind of wrap my brain around or whatever but my opponent was very nice and i had a nice time uh will part of the fab foundry squad oh cool yeah so uh so that made it uh much more pleasant to just like sit there and watch everybody else play and that sort of thing um and so i won that first round but the the judging on day two and we'll get into this at the end here a little bit more in depth but they were much more shitty <laughs> for lack of a better term. And, you know, that's probably a host of factors. Like it's a long day for us as players. It's got to be a long day for them as judges and that sort of thing. Um, so we just, because we were the last game left, we had a lot of judges around and one guy was uh, sitting very close to me, which is like really uncomfortable but is maybe part of the game. I don't know. And 
we had 10 minutes left in the round and I had uh, double invert and my opponent only had one resource up and had the husk. And so, you know, so the, the winning play is I banish cards. He takes four damage and then dies from blood debt, right? And there's 10 minutes left in the round and he knows he's going to die. I know he's going to die. I just have to make sure I don't mess it up and banish too many cards and he kills me before he dies from his blood debt, right? And so I go through his graveyard, get uh, three cards. I'm looking for the last one to go back through. And it's maybe been, I don't even know, not even two minutes. And the judge who is right next to me, way too close, just like in a kind of uh, disrespectful tone, told me that I needed to make a decision. And I had to take a second and look at him like, really? Like, there are 10 minutes left. My opponent hasn't said anything. And if you knew how this game actually worked, you would know that this is, like, the final nail in the coffin. And there's nothing my opponent can do about it. So, please back off, was my look. And so I just said, okay, okay, okay. And then, like, continued to take my time and made my choice. And then the game was over, you know. Um well, it's a good thing you had those nine minutes left, though. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and then in round... Uh, and then for me, then I dropped the next two games, uh, which was pretty tough. I lost to uh, Control Prism, and I got pretty tilted in that game because I got tripled Arclight Sentinel right in a row, right at the end, as I had like done a great job like pitching my deck saving all of my stuff you know i have triple uh red rift bind two howls i think all but two seeds all are in my banish zone i have like the nuts you know and so i like spend out my little bit of like you know trying to play around it a little bit to see if he has it he does cool didn't lose anything has it a second time fuck that sucks you know no way he's got it the third time boom totally does and i'm just he just like totally blows me out as he just like incrementally uh lost my like resources for the turn you know yeah chip chip down your banish zone yeah totally my resources in terms of like how to win the game yeah uh which was like pretty upsetting um i did get my urser out but he only had one card in soul so it's like i can't play it first because he's just gonna like get rid of go again and then if I shackle, he can, you know, it's just like this whole thing. Um, and it was kind of, you know, in hindsight, I would have sideboarded slightly differently for that matchup. Um, but it is what it is. So then, like, my dreams are crushed, which was fine. I was, like, a little tilted. And then I lost again, just getting absolutely hosed by another, like, high roll chain deck that was running fate for scenes and so he like fate for scenes me on my hit effects two turns in a row then has a big soul reaping turn then has another just like 30 damage turn out of nowhere with like one banished card that he could use uh and i was just like so upset (laughs) and then won my last round and ended up uh eight and three uh and was uh 25th place made 200 bucks great job yeah totally hard to relive that now on the podcast (laughs) the feelings are real um 
but like I said, you know, I I can't be upset. It's it's exactly what I came to do and I did it and that is a really awesome feeling to be 8 and 3, top 32, you know, it's my only uh you know, adds up to four losses overall between Road to Nats and the calling on the same deck. So it's like pretty sick, you know? Yeah. When you put it in that kind of perspective. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about like, and not to put words in your mouth, but it like, you know, it, well, it's I, probably, <laughs> it's probably a little hard to talk about because those were just, just words in my mouth, <laughs> not anything else. Just in your chain journey, right? You, you know, played around with the deck and then kind of teched a more blood debt heavy chain deck in order to be able to beat control and contest with aggro, right? So, like, on the ratio of blood debt cards, you, like, moved a little more heavy blood debt um, in order to have a more consistent um, deck that could deal with these different types of threats. Mm -hmm. Um, So then to you know, lose a couple of these rounds to a more generic heavy, less blood debt heavy chain deck that, you know, again, is maybe more aggressive on the front end. But then we see in the finals, you know, losing to control. Mm-hmm. It's like this uh, this kind of cycle that you're like at the, you know, the unfortunately the wrong turn in the cycle or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. That like if the meta you know does one more click yeah right then it's like in a better spot for uh what i have been working on this whole time right like if more control shows up or makes it through you know and like shuts down more of the um generic heavy chain decks then your deck um, may perform better you know or yeah i don't know it's like this is all theoretical but um it just you know yeah that's that's the crazy part right that i was unprepared that was part of the game at such a large event that we now know is that when you go to a big open event like this right not invite only anything can happen right in the number of players compared to the rounds of swiss we had there were many different paths through swiss to go seven and oh x and one you know some people played almost only chains some people didn't play against chains. some people didn't even play against control archetypes right it was just like you play against two canos and they make up two percent of the field you know what i mean so it's um you know that's a little uh was jarring at the time you know to feel that like i have a really good deck that goes into the field but the field is a little different than i had thought it would be like i think this is one of my big downfalls is i always i've been assuming that everyone is gonna make the logical the leap in logic right like right this is how a plus b equals c right but people just go a plus b got it right and i'm thinking about what it what that equals is c and not everybody thinks that way and so i have to like dial back a bit of my I suppose expectations or we all do right because this is all new for all of us yeah well I think it's also like um that right like you expect another step to be taken by a lot of players but there's also the factors of like people love certain characters totally and don't care about winning the call right like you know I really like playing Leviah and was not 
realistically trying to win the calling. So right. you might face a Leviah, right. you know? Um, yeah. So all of those factors, there's also the, like, you know, the player that's really good on Wizard and, like, can day two, actually. Um, yeah, which there was one. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of wild cards in those terms, right? Yeah. Um, which, you know, like you said, at such a large event, you could easily face any number of those kind of X factors. Yeah. In your, you know, meta plan. Or none, you know. I <laughs> Right. Oh, microphone, mic down. Mic down. Uh, I nice, mean, nice catch though. Thanks. Still got it. I still got it. I could have faced, you know, control the whole time. Right. You know what I mean? Like just strictly bravos on uh, fatigue strategies or something like that. Yeah, it was just a wild switch, right? Because there were some decks that, like, you know, control deck would go seven and zero, make day two, and then just get blown out by the wrong type, you know, or by its weak matchup. You know, seven and zero, and then just get like annihilated day two. Um, which let me um, ex- just explain how the calling worked for a second. Um, so you played seven rounds of Swiss day one, and then you went into day two for four more rounds of Swiss, but it was a continuation of the first day's Swiss. Right. So you did not start over with clean slate slates, and everybody had a chance. It was like if you managed to make day two but had like a five and two record from day one that record carries over and you pretty much had zero chance of top eighting yeah 100 um, percent mathematically impossible yeah which i thought was i mean you know i'm not a tournament organizer um it it just feels like maybe there could be a slightly better system just because it feels bad that if you make day two and have zero chance of top eighting and it's like no cause for celebration at all it just like feels a little bad maybe you know um and i understand you totally. can play for placement and play for prize money and like maybe that's great or something but it just feels like you know maybe you just play top 32 and start with a fresh record or just something um to make day two to squeaking in to the day two tournament be like awesome for everybody who makes it right yeah yeah, that's, I think, uh, and, and this is where we can kind of start talking about kind of our critiques or overall feelings or whatever. But yeah, that's my, that's one of my big ones is that how do you incentivize or reward someone who goes seven and O and reward someone who bubbles in at, you know, this 60, 61, 62, 63, 64 spot, right? Into where they're incentivized to actually play. Because so many people just dropped and went and played, play, excuse me, played the pro quest on Sunday, you know. Good enunciation. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, my mic falling <laughs> has thrown me off a bit. Um, you know, so how do you do that? Do you do an extra round of Swiss? Do you uh, reseed everybody based on their record so that then all of your 7-0s play the people who bubbled in? Right. Right. But with fresh records, with fresh records. Yeah. yeah. So you could come from the bottom to the top or whatever. Uh, I don't really know. There needs to be, you know, and it could be a product of the event, the scale not being fully known. And they just got to, you know, they're like, I don't know, 11 rounds, you know, or whatever. So that would be better if it's scaled better with the 
uh, number of players. Yeah, you definitely. know. And and honestly, I don't really mind the pressure of having to go like, you know, have, you know, whatever record to do stuff. But I do mind that, you know, if I had come in at fifty sixth place on day two, that, you know, what am I actually playing for? Right. You know, two hundred bucks in top thirty two. Yeah. You well, know which I mean? is definitely bragging rights and a very cool um, achievement. Yeah. But is yeah, like playing with no hope of progressing is, you know, less less fun, maybe. Yeah, totally. Uh so yeah, that's that's the calling. Overall, I felt, you know, like I said, great about it. And I would make those kind of changes to the format for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh and then you talked about the pro quest. Let's talk about of one other of our critiques which is kind of judge calls sure just the judging in general yeah i'll lead this off and this isn't like a lot of the judges were very nice and this isn't like a critique about them personally i think it's more about like channel fireballs training maybe or just their preparation uh because there were like quite a lot of incorrect judge rulings throughout the tournament which may get better as the game um you know ages and you know judges are better trained or like just have more experience but there are just a number of calls um which which i should i'll preface this too it is not in the casual side events right we're talking about the calling main event where every win matters and in the pro quest where every win matters as well yeah i did witness some things in side events as well but like a couple things um in yeah, in a main event, a judge had a a misruling on how reprise works. Like right, reprise checks for the reprise trigger when played, not when resolved. Um, so it's just flat out wrong. Uh, another judge, and he, and he ruled that uh, although you're blocking from hand after playing a card with reprise, yeah, he ruled then when the reprise card resolves, yeah, it triggers that it triggers, which is yeah. totally wrong, yeah. Um, another, a player that I played in the pro quest, you know, was undefeated up until this point and then had a judge misrule on the bolting, Bolton go again trigger with blinding beam. And, um, while I was playing this player, the judge came up and profusely apologized for his misruling, um, and was like, just so sorry. And like, felt so bad about it. Uh, but you know, this, this misruling had cost the player their chance at the pro quest and they'd been doing very well up until this yeah, point and this misruling you know got him out of it and uh i think the player had actually you know like argued it and called for a second opinion and then they still misruled it which is just like you know this is a national level tournament with like big reward like people want to win the pro quest right it's like a point of fame and uh, so that I don't know how they ended up resolving it in the end or what happened, but you know it was already a loss. They'd already moved on, and you know it's just like yeah. And and so the the situation was right that he had played blinding beam, and as a layer in a reaction step before the Bolton player had given it go again, right? I think yeah. I mean I I wasn't there, but yes. Well, so the the cards uh, attack value base was then not higher right so then bolton could not give it go again right right 
or then it loses go again when checking right or or whatever is the kind of scenario there which is wrong if it does not have higher than its base it cannot gain go again right yeah um so anyway just calls like that are like i mean whatever i still had a great time but like things like that are like pretty unforgivable in a like nationally competitive tournament yeah no no definitely Um, um so and and there were like other things i heard and you know witnessed and stuff but it was just like very poor um i guess judge training or preparation and it's like a very complicated game i lost a game for not knowing the prism rules you know yeah it's like pretty understandable but again like no matter how difficult the game you need the judge to know the rules that's just kind of the the bottom line Anyway, is there anything you want to add to my little tangent there? No, I already <laughs> talked about like my kind of, you know, the power tripping judges on day two type of deal, you know, and it and it might be a more something people are more tolerable to than myself. But having uh, had a history as a sports person and a person who coaches sports and has had a lot of run ins with uh officials and stuff i've never like gotten a technical or anything for being a dick but like just the effect that the person who is the referee or the judge or whatever has on the atmosphere of the game and the outcomes and stuff cannot be overstated right i think some people miss that part of uh games and stuff that if you're an official, you're a judge, your presence and your ability to affect the game is greater than you maybe perceive it to be, right? Right. And, you know, that is maybe a perspective that some uh, officials and that sort of thing do not have. Yeah, and in, like, your particular example, it's not really a misrule. It's just maybe he a lack of understanding of the nuances of the game so much or a lack of experience right because in your game with 10 minutes left on your kill turn it's generally accepted that you can take a little bit longer to make decisions on that term because it's obvious you won't go to time right right so like in general when we played in the past in casually or tournaments it's just like you know on that on that last complex turn you know you just take a little longer yeah totally dot your t's cross your eyes sort of deal yeah exactly (laughs) anyway Uh, um so hopefully that will only improve in the future um i'm sure they will iron it out uh hopefully for future callings but definitely for nationals yeah i think so you know once the game is around longer and people have more chances to officiate it and play it and stuff it should be a lot easier so right um cool uh, anything else i think that i've covered all of my feelings <laughs> about it and stuff you know um no i think that's just about it uh just again the kind of mind fuck the calling event itself the meta was was pretty nuts right to see like control prism um control and agro bravos you know kano's poking up did not see hardly any aggro katsus. Yeah, totally. Very surprising. Blew my mind. I actually played a very good aggro katsu round two and like squeaked out a win. Um, which I was afraid. I thought that was my worst matchup. But then like 
in hindsight now I'm like, no, Chain's Chain's everybody's worst matchup. <laughs> that deck's just so good. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, I I'll add in two things here. One, the calling huge success. Yeah, right, yeah. huge huge success. The game is very healthy. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Overall, what a great community. Um, then the other thing I'm going to add here is a uh, shout out to Tiffany, who's going to be a future guest on the pod. Oh, um, yeah. She, so we are super anti Sabres Bolton. <laughs> Sorry if we just lost some listeners. Go ahead and tweet at me at Battle Bro Taylor why you love the worst stupidest deck yeah i got two fucking sabers for you taylor (laughs) (laughs) yeah why you love that stupid deck tiffany in the mirror right she's on bolton with raiden uh you know a civilized deck (laughs) versus uh just pure garbage sabers bolton uh they go for the combo and tiffany like just shuts him down she like Red shunts one of them. Oh yeah, armor is another one. Armor is another one. Non attack actions another yeah, one. Yeah, totally. And then it's just like over, you know, <laughs> like the most one of the most baller moves I heard about. Totally. Just red shunt and just like yeah, I got it. And yeah. you take one damage. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> it was just great. So shout out to you, Tiffany. Excited to have you on the podcast later. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain a little bit. Um, or at least speak for myself. I am not a fan of Bolton Saber. I think that deck can <laughs> you, be. You don't need to be defensive, man. No, 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 Everybody I, knows why it sucks, <laughs> and they still choose to play it. I think that deck um, can perform pretty well, right? It can be pretty good. I just don't think that that deck is a good choice because you are kind of, you know. And again, I could be wrong, or you can fucking yell at me or whatever. But it just seems, at it, Battle Bro Isaac on Twitter. <laughs> It doesn't seem like a good choice because you're, to some degree, relying on luck, right? Like, in the chain meta, you're not going to see half your deck. So you're just drawing the pieces yes. and hoping to pull it off totally. before we, you get killed. We're all aware. And you, and you But then if you don't draw those few pieces, you just auto-lose, right? So it's just like, you know, to me, it's just not a good meta call. <laughs> Maybe if the game's a lot slower... Right, then you can always pull off that combo. It'll be good, but it's just, you know, and then you need your five card hand to pull it off. It's like hit effects totally, too easy yeah. to pressure. You're it. just preaching to the choir here. <laughs> well, I'm talking to our listeners, oh, not okay. just you. <laughs> our listeners are on board. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm just saying the power level of that deck is not too low. You're just kind of rolling the dice in every matchup. Funniest part on the drive home, it's like kind of silent. Out of nowhere, Isaac goes. The lowest point in flesh and blood has to be Saber's Bolton Mirror, right? <laughs> <laughs> we just like burst into laughing. Oh god, it was so good. Uh, anyway, let's uh, start around till something happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you got it? No, you got it? No, you got it? No. Um, let's start to wrap this beast up. Sure. Um, do you want to talk at all about the? moving out of this or you want to save that for uh our, we're, our video pod we're running out of time we're gonna get to a pre-release oh fair enough yeah well goodbye everyone we uh no, <laughs> no, we got a couple of segments first. yeah okay so here comes pick pass prey uh draft scenario i'm gonna give you three cards you're gonna pick one pass one and pray one comes back around are you ready yes cool first up is 
hooves of the shadow beast. Shadow brute equipment, legs, blocks for one. Whenever a card with six or more power is put into your banish zone, you may destroy hooves. And if you do, you gain an action point and it has battle worn. Okay. Second card, warmongers. <laughs> I was just trying not to say rectal the whole time. <laughs> warmongers recital. Even during the first part. <laughs> Red. Pitches for one, costs for one, defends for two. It's a generic action that reads, the next attack action card you play this turn gains plus three, and if it hits, put it on the bottom of your deck. Go again. Third card, Red Brandish, which is a generic attack action. Pitches for one, costs one, attacks for three, defends for two, and if Brandish hits, your next weapon attack this turn gains plus one. Go again. If you know how to flaunt it, you barely need to use it. So, Isaac, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? Warmonger's Recital. Boom. Slams Without it. a doubt. Yeah. Um, non-attack actions can be good in like certain characters. Um, but also, I feel like good buffs are maybe fewer in this set. And... Uh, just the added hit effect and going on the bottom for late game is really good. This card's just really good. Um, works in every character and is really good in every character. Enough said. I am going to... See, this I'm a little unsure about. <laughs> I think I'm going to pray that Brandish comes back around. Mm. Um, there's... I actually even just used Brandish in a Prism deck and pumped my aura, which was sick. <laughs> but um, there's there's uh, a number of, like, you know, the weapons in this set are all right, and it would pump all of them. The auto go against good tempo, right? You come in, it's threatening four damage go again, just automatically. So I think that's a good early pull if it does come back, just for another solid red generic. I want to say who's just... Levia has so many moving parts that choosing a Levia piece really early, especially if you're competing with somebody else picking Levia, you just might not get all the components for that deck. So while I think Hooves is an awesome addition to it, I think you would have to see them later on when you have a little bit more going into that deck, unfortunately. But anyway, that's my pick, pass, pray. What do you nice. got? Well, I thought we were going to agree on this one for the first time in podcast history. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> but it's going to be close. So I'm going to pick Warmonger's Recital also because of all of the reasons you listed. And for like a blue, you basically can come in for, you know, nine or, you know, ten even sometimes pretty easily. And yeah, like you said, it's just good in every deck for sure and yeah it's a great red card it's definitely a pack one pick one for sure but i'm gonna pray that hooves comes back around it's a really strong piece of equipment and if i am gonna go levia it's the one i want definitely over brandish it will do a lot more in my deck than brandish will do um, even though i really like brandish because of you know it it works really well with stubbies which can be really good on the right turn and that sort of thing. Um, 
yeah and that's just like a really good like card that has go again it just doesn't hit that break point that i really want it to so that's the one i'm going to pass on so pick warmongers pray hooves comes back and pass on brandish gotcha good argument you may be right thank you i usually I, am i do like brandish just because just in limited there's so many block for twos that three is actually not the most terrible break point you could hit yeah but uh still good good argument four would be much better totally um okay isaac you have a riddle Riddle me this (laughs) perfect okay my riddle me this is actually i think three cards total but we'll use blossoming spellblade as the example um i think there is one for each hero if i'm not mistaken in the new tales of aria set and my riddle me this about these cards is these uh majestics that are very powerful have like blossoming spellblade has both earth and lightning fusion it's not and or it's and so in order to play this card you have to pitch two to play it and then you have to have a earth card and a lightning card in your hand to play it if you have an embodiment of lightning token you will have go again and then can maybe play those cards but it just feels too card hungry and too specific um for my brain will the payoff (laughs) be worth it is uh is this card going to be very powerful and rocked in or you know all all these cards are they going to be very powerful and rocked in all these decks are they just too specific right is it not consistent enough right riddle me this awesome i think that's a great one and uh time will tell it will. I didn't know what Vestige of Soul did initially, <laughs> and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, in the right <laughs> deck for sure. Yeah, in Prism. Yeah. So, uh, what next? Uh, game from the closet. Oh, nice. <laughs> and up next, <laughs> I'm sitting here giving Taylor Isaac was eyes, signaling and me, signaling and I'm like, like, I don't, I don't know. Come on, come on, yeah. <laughs> um, so. And we had a blast playing board games last night, actually, too. Or at least I did. Yeah. Um, here yeah. at the Attack Action Plot Podcast, we play a lot of board games. And we love very many of them. So sometimes we like to recommend one to you guys um, in case you like to branch out also. Or maybe play some cooperative games and have some beers with buddies and just get away from Fab for a little bit. Uh, so this is not you know, the best game in the world. It's just a game we love and would love to share with you. Taylor? Do you have a board game from your closet you'd like to share? I do. I recently replayed my copy of Flamme Rouge, which is a uh, cycling race simulator, basically. So you build a track that has like uh, ascents and descents, and you get two racers, and you have two decks of cards that have different values on them. Um, you basically have like a consistent racer and a sprinter. And so you're really vying for position to try to cross the finish line first in the game. And initially I was like, I don't get the strategy. But the most recent time I played it, I had way more fun than I had anticipated. The like, you're trying to get like slipstream and draft off of opponents and you're trying to like, hit the right zone on the ascent so you can like 
kind of use the correct number during that or like during the descent you're trying to use lower valued numbers to get a boost because you're going faster etc so there was like a lot more to manage and was quite a bit more fun uh this time around and there was like kind of more strategy than i had initially uh thought the first time and uh, and i think it has some pretty good expansions which i don't have um but i will be playing flamme rouge again because of that nice old red flame (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty fun good artwork cool yeah all right sounds great kind of makes me want to play it oh nice yeah we should one time totally we got a pre-release to get to hell yeah we got any more segments that's it nice well we are on discord uh mr beef hammer ejac oh the falcon of the west and ejac um we are on we the attack action podcast at gmail.com we're on twiddle twitter i've done enough talking i think uh battle bro taylor at battle bro isaac uh we're on instagram we're on facebook um some of these platforms uh you know i or i at least have been uh slacking on a little bit uh with the busy road to nats and work and calling and all that but we will try to pick it up a little bit uh we're on youtube and look out for uh new fancy shiny new youtube productions (laughs) coming soon and we'll blast those all over the place too so uh is that it did i miss anything i think that's it nice we have a patreon please for uh you know if you value our content um for you know price of a beer yeah for we won't take a beer price of a cup of coffee yeah is is great uh it's a double entendre or a double on a llama or whatever it's called you know it's like uh four is a great break point for attacks right so that's yep. why it's four i don't know if that helps sell it at all but maybe it does i don't know eight dominate if that's more your speed <laughs> <laughs> is our second tier uh cool well th- thanks again thank you isaac as always i don't actually ever thank you on the pod but i really appreciate you being the handsome face of the podcast you know oh you're welcome sorry i don't bring the uh mustache you know or you do or any sort of like good takes or anything but (laughs) at least you're very good looking and so that helps no but really thank you i appreciate you and i can't do this without you and i you know just having been talking about our podcast in our humble beginnings i have you know I need you and thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm trying to say thank you too. I'm starting to cry over here. It's been a blast, really. (laughs) What a ride! Totally. All right, let's uh, let's go fuck up some nudes at our pre-release. How's that sound? Definitely. Coming. I'm coming for you, Troy. (laughs) You're going down, bro. Right. You were included in that noob label, Troy. Yeah. You don't listen to the pod anymore, and this is your folly. Is people are talking trash behind you. (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.